This is the Hui Kala Baptist Church podcast, coming to you from the heart of Honolulu, Hawaii. Hui Kala is a dynamic family of faith committed to solid Bible teaching, discipleship, and helping you grow in your faith. Grab your Bible and prepare to dig deep into the Word with Pastor Anthony King. series on salvation, um, and we uh, get to the topic of sanctification. Last week, we took a look at uh, positional sanctification. Uh, the word sanctified means to be set apart, and uh, positionally, we're set apart in Christ. The day that we're saved, the moment that we're saved, requires no interaction on our part. Uh, we're automatically placed in Christ when we get saved, but then the process of practical sanctification takes place, where we have to purposely try to uh, develop Christ-likeness uh, in our life. And it's not something that we do on our own. It's something that's the work of the Spirit. We'll take a look at that in this passage. But practical sanctification is so um, nuanced, so important, and so critical to you and I in our spiritual growth uh, that we're going to take the next three weeks and take a look at this topic of uh, practical sanctification. I, I don't want to kind of jam everything in here and kind of blow through it really quickly. I want to give you a good understanding. Because here's the thing. When you get saved, it's instantaneous, bam, boom, it's just like that. You're saved, uh, you're adopted into the family of God, you pass from death into life, uh, you're no longer an enemy of God, all the wrongs you've ever done is washed away by the blood of Christ, and uh, the, the uh, righteousness of Christ is placed on your account. All those things happen immediately the moment that you get saved. So first of all, you need to know how to get saved. If you don't, you can uh, find that out really quickly, uh, put your faith and trust in Christ. But after you're saved, what now? We just uh, the, the type of church that I grew up in was just like, hey man, you're saved now. We just kind of hang out here till Jesus comes, and we'll just uh, meet up once a week and sing some songs, and uh, you know, uh, cook some uh, some uh, some bacon and eggs, or have a prayer breakfast a couple times throughout the year. We'll just kind of hang out till Jesus comes. But I realized later that God expects us to grow. I didn't, I didn't know that. I didn't know that was a thing. And so that process of growth is called sanctification. So I, I, I think this is so important, that's why I'm taking three weeks to explain it to you, because uh, you need to understand what your job is now. Now that you've been saved, now that you've been born again, how do you grow to be more like Christ? We're going to take a look at that uh, over the next few weeks. And so uh, this is, uh, again, really helpful uh, as we uh, look at sanctification. Uh, Philippians uh, chapter 1, I've got to get there myself. Uh, Philippians chapter 1, verse number 6. Paul writes to the church of Philippi, and he says in verse number six, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. What does that mean? That means that the day that you got saved, God began a work in you. And that work that he has is going to continue. Does anybody need a copy of the notes? Sorry, ushers, I forgot to ask people to raise their hands. Anybody need notes or something to write with? Got one over here. So again, you got saved, and God, that was kind of the beginning. It wasn't the end, like, okay, you're, you're saved now, we're good. Uh, just kind of wait. Uh, that was the beginning of the good work that God wants to do into you, and, and he's going to continue to do it. When? Until the day of Jesus Christ. God has work that he wants you to do through this process of becoming more like Jesus, like today. Like, you, you're, you're supposed to be working on your sanctification today. Tomorrow, you'll be working on your sanctification tomorrow uh, and every day until you get to see Christ face to face. And so 
Well, certain aspects of the Christian life are slated to be baptized next Sunday. Hey, that baptism is going to be take place really quickly, and it's a once-in-a-lifetime moment. Biblical baptism always is. Uh, where, man, these people have been baptized, and that baptism is a, a picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, and that part is done with, and now they're moving on to other areas of Christian growth. Sanctification, you will never outgrow your need for it. You're always going to have to stay on top of it and desire it. When we talk about being sanctified, though, the term sanctified comes from the Latin word sanctus or sacred, and it means to be set apart. So again, if we take uh, you and I, we were part of the world and we were saved uh, the day we were saved, we were sanctified positionally and taken out of the world and placed in Christ. As you and I grow in our love for Jesus and obedience to the word and the desire for righteousness and holiness, we will become to be less and less like the world and more and more like Christ. And so the process of sanctification will continue uh, as I begin to desire to walk in obedience to the word of God. Uh, again, we talked about this last week, but the New Hampshire Baptist Confession uh, of uh, 1833, I think, is important. Again, uh, as a Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church, I mentioned this this morning, we don't give a lot of credence to, to creeds and councils and things like that. We give a lot of credence to the Bible. Uh, but this confession uh, of faith has a really good definition of sanctification. That's why I want to draw your attention to it. We believe that sanctification is the process by which, according to the will of God, we're made partakers of his holiness. That is a progressive work. So again, it's going to be continuing. It, that begun in regeneration the day that you got saved. And then it's carried on in the hearts of believers by the presence and power of the Holy Spirit, the sealer and comforter, and the continual use of the appointed means, especially the word of God, self-examination, self-denial, watchfulness, and prayer. Like Jesus Christ, by our commitment to obeying the Bible and walking in the Spirit. Again, just by way of review uh, from last week, uh, sanctified means dedicated, consecrated, or set apart. Again, when you have been sanctified, that means that God has a purpose for your life. Uh, you, you've been taken out of the world and set apart to be used by God. You're, you're separate from what you used to be a part of. Uh, the old person of you is dead and the new person in Christ is alive. We talked about that when we talked about regeneration a few weeks ago, how we're made a new creature in Christ. And now we are, are set apart for Christ's use. It's our job now to glorify God by the way that we live, and our sanctification is part of that. Positional sanctification is immediate at the moment of salvation, requires no action from us. The moment that you put your faith and trust in Christ and were born again, you were positionally sanctified. What that means is you were placed in Christ. Uh, so where are Christians? Our Christians are in Christ. That's who we are. Uh, this morning, I was thankful that there was a lady who left the 8 o'clock service, uh, and I, I was talking with her on the sidewalk, and she said, you know, I, I thought that I was saved whenever I was baptized as a kid, she said, but I realized after today's message that I wasn't saved by my baptism. And I said, right. And she said, well, that means that I wasn't saved. Right. Uh, correct. And I said, has there been a time in your life that you were saved or born again that you can think of outside of what you thought that was? And she goes, well, I think this morning would be that time. I said, tell me about that. And she said, well, as you're preaching, I thought to myself, I believe all those things. And when I prayed, I asked God to save me and forgive me of my sins. She said, is that, is that it? <laughs> you got it. Two thumbs up on that one. She was like, oh, yeah. Well, I got saved this morning at the 8 o'clock service. Awesome. Praise God for that. 
She doesn't really understand all of it yet, but at that moment, she was taken from, again, a life of sin and a life in the world, and she was taken out of that and immediately placed in Christ. She didn't have to do anything because her faith in Christ automatically placed her in Christ. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. That happened instantaneously and required no action on her part. Now, should she desire to continue to grow in her faith? And all Christians should desire to grow in our faith. She needs to spend time in the Word. She needs to spend time hearing Bible preaching. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. She needs to memorize and meditate on Scripture. Uh, my, uh, thy word have I kept in my heart that I might not sin against thee. She's going to come to difficult passages in the Bible where she's going to have to make a decision. Do I want to continue to do things my way or am I willing to yield to God's way? All this is part of the sanctification process that every Christian must go through. Again, uh, I, I, I look back at the way that I was raised and I'm, I'm, I'm frustrated and disappointed not in my parents. My parents were doing the best that they knew how to do. They were first-generation Christians who grew up in alcoholic, abusive homes, and they were just doing their best. And so I don't fault my parents for this. But I was brought up with the idea that if you show up to church and kind of stay away from really big sin, you're doing okay. And that's kind of all life is, is that you've got some rules about some lines that Christians really shouldn't cross. And if you do cross them, you need to go forward at a church service maybe and cry a little bit in the front so that people see that you're really sorry, and then you can go back and kind of be forgiven. And, and it was probably my early 20s when somebody asked me how my walk with God was, and I didn't know what that meant. I've been in church my whole life. I mean, I've, 52 weeks out of the year, I'm there 52 of them. I didn't know what it meant to walk with God. How's your relationship with the Lord? I, I mean, I guess it's okay. I mean, I got saved when I was nine. Has it changed from nine to 22? I don't know. I don't, I don't think so. But I didn't realize that sanctification was something that God wanted to do in my life. So from the time I was saved, when I was nine years old, to the time I was 22 years old, there was zero growth, zero sanctification, zero Christ-likeness in my life because I was saved, but I was still a baby in Christ. My wife got saved at a uh, Baptist revival when she was 13 years old. She did not grow up in a Christian home and uh, got saved at a Baptist revival and went back to a church that did not preach the Bible. And so from the time that she was uh, 13 until her mid-20s, zero growth in her life, zero sanctification. And we got two people come together in marriage that are, we're just babies in Jesus. Like, we don't know nothing about nothing other than the fact that we're saved. So both of us needed this sanctification process in our lives. And Again, that's why I'm a huge proponent of discipleship. Uh, discipleship points you in the path and says, this is how you walk in sanctification. This is how you grow. This is how you walk in uh, holiness and righteousness. This is how you develop a hunger and desire for God and the things of God and the Word of God. Uh, discipleship is the training mechanism that I was kind of missing in my life uh, early on. We talk about practical sanctification. What is that? It's a lifelong process of becoming like Jesus. This is real deal. This is not a matter of like theological terms and terminologies and being in Christ and out of Christ and uh, ecclesia, you know, called out of something. This is not theological. This is not, uh, this is not textbook uh, Christianity. This is practical Christianity. When you wake up tomorrow morning, how do you spend the next 24 hours of your life? That's practical sanctification. Do you spend time with the Father do you spend time in the Word? Are you aware of your own sinful condition? Are you aware of temptation? How do you battle temptation? When you sin, how do you make things right with God? 
How do you show the love of Christ to people around you? All these are, are questions of practical sanctification. As you walk with Jesus over time, you should see your life change. I will say this, and I say this in great love, and I say it carefully with you. If you can look back at the last 10 years of your life and see no growth in your Christian life, you're probably not walking the type of Christian life that God intended you to. If you've been saved for 20 years, but there's zero change in your life whatsoever from the day that you got saved, I'm not calling anybody's salvation into question. I'm just saying the Bible says that healthy things grow. That's all. That if, if there was never a passing away of the old man and a, a birth to the new man, I would question whether or not you have truly been legitimately born again. Now, again, I'm not passing judgment on anybody's salvation. I don't have anybody in mind when I say things like that. It's just healthy things grow, and when we get the type of training that we need to walk with Jesus, we should see growth in our life. Now, again, there's a period in my life where I had no growth. I didn't know that was a thing. So it might be a lack of discipleship. But for many people, it's a, it's a lack of desire to grow in their faith. Do you want to grow in your faith? For me, I, I want my kids to grow in their faith. I want my wife to grow in her faith. And I, to do that, I have to lead them in growing in my faith. And my, we take a look at 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 3, verse number 18. But as the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even by his spirit of the Lord. When he talks about beholding in a glass, he's talking about looking in a mirror. When we look in a mirror, we should see the glory of the Lord. We should see ourselves changing into the image of Christ. We should look at ourselves and be able to see growth in our lives. I mentioned this several times before that when my wife and I first got married, again, I, I had a, a very foul mouth. I'd grown up in a, uh, a home where uh, I was allowed to watch movies that had cursing in it. Uh, our, our, our people on our staff at our church cursed, and I didn't think twice about it. I joined the military right out of high school, and it's just kind of the norm there. But when we decided to start walking with Jesus, I realized that's a part of my life that needs to change. And so, man, probably, I don't know, at this point now, 20... 24, 25 years ago, I made a commitment that my speech would be God-honoring and Christ-honoring, and I gave up that kind of talk altogether. Now, if 20 years later I'm still struggling with a foul mouth, there's been little to no sanctification in my life. Does that make sense? So, Because, again, I should be able to look in the mirror and see myself becoming more and more and more like Christ. If 20 years of walking with Jesus, I'm still hot-headed and popping off at the mouth and saying hurtful things and being unkind and uh, using abusive, ugly, unkind language and losing my cool, losing my temper, and people are nervous to be around me because of, of my attitude, man, that's not Christ-likeness at all. And, and if that was somebody, I would say, what have you been doing for the last 20 years in your walk with Christ to still be at that level of immaturity and so again, when we talk about becoming more like Christ, it's a process of growing and maturing and uh, becoming older and wiser, not in years necessarily, but in Christ. First uh, Peter chapter 1, verse number 15, but as he which called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. It's again an important thing to note as well. Your maturity in Christ isn't necessarily tied to the, the length of time that you've been saved. Your maturity in Christ might not even be tied to your chronological age, how old you actually are. Uh, I've met people that are in their 50s and 60s that are ridiculously immature when it comes to their spiritual walk with God. I've known people who have been saved for 20 or 30 years who are, are such an embarrassment to the cause of Christ the way that they behave. 
I've met people that have been saved for like six months that are like, like light years ahead of that, that really reflect the character of Christ because you see a massive shift uh, that Jesus makes in people's lives. So that's what we're talking about when we talk about practical sanctification, changing to be more like Jesus. Important thing to note, sanctification is not a good idea, but it's the expectation of every believer. You might say, well, I'm not really at the point in my life right now where I'm, I'm really wanting to, uh, to grow in my walk with Christ. That's not really an option. To say that I don't want to grow in my walk with Christ is to be disobedient to God. Nobody gets to just be saved and kind of hang out how I am. No, no, everyone is required to grow. All of us are required to grow in Christ's likeness. Uh, Titus chapter 1, verse number 11, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. I don't know about you, but that looks a lot like sanctification to me. Hey, salvation has appeared to us. And what did salvation teach us? Oh, it taught us that I can, can, can go to heaven and I don't have to worry about going to hell anymore. No, that's not what it, salvation teaches us. Salvation has appeared to us. Where's salvation found? In Jesus. Salvation through Christ has appeared to us, teaching us to do what? Deny ungodliness, worldliness, and unrighteousness. That's what it's taught us. And if you and I continue in our sin or we continue to make light of sin or feel like, well, I don't really need to grow in my Christian walk. I mean, I'm going to heaven now, right? You're, you're, you're not just, it's just not just immaturity. It's a disobedience to the Lord as well. Sanctification is about growth and righteousness, holiness, and Christ-likeness. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse number 18, but grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and and forever. So again, grow in grace and what? The knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You need to know Jesus. You need to understand Jesus. And you need to grow in the grace that Jesus gives. Man, how can I really know Jesus? Anybody want to help me with that? How do you know Jesus? The Word, word, period. First of all, the Bible tells us that Jesus Christ is the Word. Secondly, if you want to know more about Jesus, read the Bible. Really simple. Uh, read the Gospels, but here's what I tell people when you read the Gospels. Don't just read it like it's a, a story or it's like an assignment for school or something. Read it with purpose. Hey, I'm going to read through the Gospels, and I'm going to watch Jesus' interaction with other people. I'm going to see how he treats people, the things he says to people, his interactions. I'm going to see the things that he ignores. I'm going to see some of the things that he lets slide. I'm going to see some of the things that he absolutely will not pass over. Uh, I'm going to see how the people he has mercy on. I'm going to see the people that he gets frustrated with. Uh, I'm going to see the things that cause him to uh, be passionate. Uh, I'm going to study the life of Christ. You want to know Jesus? Man, read the Bible. It's there for you. Hey, I'm going to read the Gospels through all four of them, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, and I'm going to focus on his relationship with the Father. Oh, then I'm going to see that he can only do the things that the Father uh, wills for him to do. Uh, his, his desire is just to please his heavenly father. I do always the things that please him. Man, when he was struggling and going through a difficult time, his cousin John the Baptist had been beheaded, and he, well, a lot of people was on him. What did he do? He got away, and he spent some time in prayer. Man, I'm going to focus on, um, why? I want to know Jesus more. The sanctification, because you realize that's who I'm supposed to be. Uh, if you know my personality, I'm not really big on mercy. It's not really my thing, right? 
uh, I'm like, hey, you make stupid decisions, you get stupid things, right? Uh, play stupid games, win stupid prizes, you know? Uh, simple as that, you know? You, you got yourself in this mess, are you surprised by it? But then when the problem with that is, is when you actually read the Bible, right? You actually read the Bible, not like have ideas about the Bible. Actually read the Bible, you find Jesus was very merciful. Jesus would sit down with a woman and say, hey, can I have something to drink? And she's like, well, you shouldn't even be talking to me. He goes, no, I want to talk to you. Hey, go grab your husband. Let's have a talk about, uh, you know, theological things. She's like, yeah, I don't have a husband. Yeah, you're right, you don't. You've been married multiple times. You're shacked up with a guy who's not your husband right now. And she was just like, whoa, what did he do? He had mercy on her. Man, so when I look at Christ and the way he lives, I don't have the luxury of saying, mercy's not really my thing. It was Jesus' thing, therefore it should be my thing. And if I want to grow in my sanctification, I have to grow in areas where I'm deficient. It's not a matter of like, oh, I'm really good at this, but I don't have to do that because I'm not very good at it. No, I need to grow in the areas of Christ-likeness. So, again, that's what sanctification looks like uh, because here's the thing. And, again, if you can't look at your Christian life and see growth, things grow. Uh, I don't know if you're pumped about it. I'm super pumped about it. Uh, but if you didn't get a sticker, I have like 10 left if you missed this morning. You don't get two uh, because there's like a limited, they're limited edition. You got like one of 250. If you decide to stick it on your forehead and be dumb, it's totally up to you. I'm sorry, kids, I shouldn't say dumb, foolish, okay? Um, we don't allow our kids to say dumb. So uh, if you want to be foolish with it, you can do that. But uh, here's the thing. Over 500 Sundays, our church has grown, not just numerically, but our church has grown spiritually. Why? Because healthy things grow. And so, again, I'm not concerned that we have, a, you know, 1,500 people at a, a service or something like that. Oh, oh by, by, you know, year 15, we should be 750 in Sunday morning attendance. I could not care less about that. I want to know, are people being saved? Are people being baptized? Are people desiring discipleship and growth in their lives? Are, is our church growing in sanctification? Are people making good decisions about their walk with Christ? Um, you know, are people bringing their neighbors to church with them because what they found in Christ they want everybody in the world to find? Those are the things that I'm greatly concerned with because that shows growth. And healthy things grow. And again, if you're satisfied with living a mediocre, lukewarm Christian life, I feel really sorry for you. And I don't mean that in a mean way, like, oh, I feel sorry for you. No, like, it hurts my heart for you. Like, I really do feel sorry for you if you don't want to grow in your walk with Christ because this is where the good stuff is. Knowing Jesus, walking with Jesus, serving Jesus with other Christians, like that's what life is about. And if you're missing out on that, you're missing out on the good stuff that God's given us to enjoy this life. So we take a look at sanctification. First of all, sanctification is a work of the Father. We're going to see how this is part of the Father, part of the, the Son, part of the Holy Spirit. Jesus prays and asks God to sanctify them through truth. And again, here's what he says, thy word is truth. God, would you take your people, would you set them apart? Would you prepare them for work? Would you make them sacred? Would you make them holy through your word? That's what he says. So again, please get this. Any part of sanctification in your life will require the use of God's word requirement. You, you can't do it without it. Because otherwise, it's like, oh, how should I grow? Maybe I should, uh, you know, get up earlier in the morning. I'm going to get up at, you know, uh, 15 minutes earlier this week. I'm going to make my bed this week, you know, and things like that. Is that sanctification? No, because it doesn't have anything to do with the Word. Now, I want to grow in Christ's likeness. How do I know Christ? By knowing the Word. 
But this is the work of the Father that Jesus would pray that the Father would sanctify them through the Word. Romans chapter 8, verse number 29. For whom he did foreknow, he did also predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. This is a common passage of Scripture uh, that's often quoted, leaving this verse out. Romans 8.28 is probably one of the most often misquoted or partially quoted verses in all of the New Testament. But we know that all things work together for good, dot, dot, dot. Oh, all things are working together for good, brother, you know. Your unsaved neighbor, you know, has a car accident or a flat tire, and you say, oh, all things work together for good. That, that, that verse doesn't even apply to them. That's not what that verse means. All things work together for good to who? To them that love God. If your neighbor doesn't love God and is not a Christian, then that verse doesn't apply to them. <laughs> I'm going to take this one. Now, this is not in tonight's message. This is a good, helpful life advice. If you are a Christian and living in rebellion to God, that verse doesn't apply to you. Because that verse applies to those that love God. You say, well, I love God even though I'm sinning against God. No, no, no. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. So if you're living in rebellion against God, you, don't, you do not love God. You love yourself, and you just want to do what you want to do. And that verse, Romans 8, 28, does not apply to you. God is not obligated to make all things work together for good for you that are living in rebellion to his plan that he's already laid out for your protection and for your good. You, you said, I don't want God's good. I want my good. Problematic. All things work together for good to them that love God and to them who are the called according to his purpose. Who is that? Those that have been saved. Those that have been born again. So this is a quote for Christians and more specifically obedient Christians because what's the good that God wants to do in your life? Is it, oh, God's got a better job prepared for you. God's got a better house for you. Oh, God's got a better school for your kids. I know that didn't work out, but God works everything for good, so he's got something better for you on the other side. No, no, because you leave out verse 29, which is really important. Verse 29 is in your notes. For who he did... For no, he did also predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. What's the good that God wants in your life? He wants to make you like Jesus. That's the good. The good isn't a better job. That might happen. The good isn't a better house. That might happen. Works all things together for your good to make you like Jesus. So again, God's plan for your life is to help you to be like Jesus. I was talking to somebody the other day. Um, it was like a couple weeks ago and I was talking to him. And I said, you know, God's plan for you is that you would be more like Jesus. And he was like, wait a minute, God expects me to be like Jesus? Yeah, God expects you to reflect the character of Christ. He was just like, how in the world can we do that? By the power of the Holy Spirit. And so, and so I'm talking to this guy, uh, and he was just like, well, how do you know if you have the Holy Spirit? And I said, have you been saved? And he said, no. I said, okay, you don't have it. Simple as that. He was like, well, what if I said I was saved? Then you'd have the Holy Spirit. Simple as that. And so I realized then I'm talking to a guy who's not even saved. Okay, now a different conversation we're going to have at this point. God's will is that you will be conformed to the image of Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit, which Christ sent for you after he died and rose again uh, from the grave. But he needs you to be saved first so that you can receive the Holy Spirit. So, but again, the, the process here is God wants to shape you into the image of Christ. That's what he wants for you. And, and I love what the, the remainder of verse number 29 says here. And it says... Um, that he might be the firstborn among the many brethren, that Christ is the firstborn of many children that God will have. Now, God had one only begotten son, but God wants a lot of kids. And the way that he does that is through the idea firstborn. Jewish customs, the firstborn male, he was like it. He was like the father. Uh, like he was like the guy. 
uh, he would receive, when it came to splitting up the inheritance, he would receive a double portion, like more than everybody else, because he was the firstborn son. And so, so Paul is saying here to the church at Rome, hey, God wants to conform you to the image of his son, that Jesus would be the firstborn male, the big brother of the family, and that everyone else would copy him. That's what he wants, and that there would be many brethren, ma- many people in God's family that were adopted. But God wants you to be like Jesus. Uh, Philippians 1, 6 was in the, the text that we read tonight, being confident in this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you, that's God the Father, started something the day that you got saved, and he's going to continue to perform it until the day of Christ. Now, how does sanctification come apart? It comes from the death to self and life in Christ. Galatians chapter 2, verse number 20. I want you to turn there in your Bible because you, I want you to, to circle, star, underline Galatians 2, 20, and I probably want you to commit it to memory. This explains the Christian life. This verse here explains sanctification. Galatians 2.20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Hey, what does this mean, Galatians 2.20? Hey, Anthony King is dead and gone. The old Anthony King was crucified with Christ. Now, I'm I'm alive, but it's not me that's living. It's Christ that's living in me. So that I might live my life in such a way that it pleases my Father, and I live in the power of the one who gave his life for me. That's what Galatians 2.20 means. So powerful. So what am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to die to self so that Christ can live in me. What does that mean? That means tomorrow morning when uh, I get up, what do I do? I do what Christ would do. What, What did Christ do when he woke up? I'm sure he spent time with the Father. He spent time in prayer. He spent time... In the word, with the word. He spent time talking to other people, loving people, teaching people, caring for their needs. That's what Christ did. And so that's what I'm supposed to do tomorrow. Well, I'll work with a bunch of unsaved reprobates. Good. Jesus was around those two. And you know what he did? He loved them. He prayed for them. He told you to do the same. He tried to reflect the character of his father. That's what he did. And so that's what you and I have to do. And so Jesus gave us an example. Hey, die to yourself and be alive in me and live as I live. And Paul says, hey, from here on out, I'm just going to do what Christ would have done. Romans chapter 6, verse number 11. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so again, I'm dead to self. I'm alive to Christ. So the life that I live from here on out, I'm going to just do what Jesus would want me to do. It became really popular when I was in high school, the, the bracelets that said WWJD. Like, every time you see this bracelet, think about what, what Jesus Christ would do in a situation like that. That's helpful, I guess. It's kind of training wheels, in my opinion. If you've been walking with Jesus for any length of time, you should already know what Jesus would do, and you should also have a desire to do those things. You say, well, I'm not that far yet. Good, spend time in the Word of God, and you'll get there. Again, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. You you cannot grow in sanctification apart from the Word of God. You can't do it. 
God has given you the word of God to help grow you in sanctification. I want to take it one step further and say, God has given you the local church to help you to grow in sanctification. The Bible says that he's given certain people in the church as pastors and evangelists and teachers for what? For the perfecting of the saints. That word perfecting doesn't mean that we're going to make you perfect. It means we're going to help you become mature. And when you sit together with a group of Christians on a Wednesday night and you share the things that are really heavy on your heart and you bear each other's burdens and you pray together and you talk about the Bible and you talk about how the Bible's impacting your life and you talk about how you can pray for your kids and you have other people in the church praying for your kids. I'm telling you, that's going to help your faith to grow. You sit down with another Christian for 14 weeks and you go through major doctrines of the Bible and you're memorizing scripture and you're coming across things that you didn't know before and you're trying to figure out how you put that into practice this week and how uh, that makes a difference in your life this week. Man, that's going to help you grow. Discipleship just does that. Man, you want to grow in your faith, fellas, first Saturday of the month, 8 o'clock, join us with a group of about two dozen guys who got up especially early on a Saturday morning to do what? To pray with other men. Man, that's going to help grow your faith. Man, you want to grow your faith? Get together with some other Christians at 9 o'clock on a Saturday morning and go out to a community where you don't really know anybody and just say, hey, I'm out in your neighborhood today inviting folks out to our church services. I'd love to have you join us sometime. Well, I don't really do church. Man, you should give it a shot one time. It changed my life. Hey, has there ever been a time in your life where you've been saved or born again? Why don't you just do that a few times and see what that does to your faith? I guarantee it's going to help you grow. Guaranteed. So... The things that we do as a church, we don't do just because we got to throw something on the calendar. We do it to help you mature and grow in your faith. And so look for opportunities to be able to grow in your faith. You say, well, it's a little bit uncomfortable for me to do that. Man, growth is always uncomfortable. Always. You know, I, I remember the first time I walked into a gym and I didn't know how to use any of the equipment in there. It's just like, man, I feel really out of place over here. Maybe I'll just get on the treadmill and walk. At least I know how to walk. <laughs> I mean, like, I can't mess that up, can you? I realized really quickly, you, you can, you know. You're like, what is this red button, red button doing? You hit it, it's like, Bleh! and throws you off the treadmill. It's just like, okay, I can't even walk in a gym, you know. <laughs> but what, it just takes a little bit of being uncomfortable for a little bit, and then you push through that, and you can continue to grow. That's what Christianity is. Oh, it's, it might be weird for me to go on a Sunday night after I've already been on Sunday morning. Man, come, I promise you it'll help you grow. Oh, I've never been in a small group before. Come, I promise you it'll help you, go, you grow. Never been out to... Community outreach before. Come, it'll help you grow, guaranteed. So there's multiple opportunities to grow, always found in the local church, always centered around the word as well. Next, sanctification is a work of the Holy Spirit. Second Corinthians chapter 3, verse number 17. Now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with open face beholding as a glass, the glory of the Lord, we already saw this are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. So we see the Spirit of the Lord there twice. Verse number 17 says this, and, and i, I got to explain this to you. Now, the Lord is that Spirit, and where the Spirit of lo the Lord is, there is liberty. Some English translations use the word freedom. And the idea is this, that there is freedom in Christ through the Spirit of God, which if you understand what that means, it's incredibly liberating, if you will. Because it means this, I no longer have to sin. Sin no longer has power over me. I don't have to keep the law. I don't have to keep regulations. I don't have to keep feast days. I don't have to keep sacrifices. I'm just free to serve Jesus with my whole. Be more carnal would interpret this verse and say that we have freedom in Christ, that we don't have to keep any rules at all. 
I don't have to obey the Lord. I can do what I want, live how I want, uh, because I'm free in Jesus Christ. No, 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 you're not free to live for yourself. You're free to live for Christ. There's a difference. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, there's freedom, there's the ability uh, to live for Christ. And so the Holy Spirit gives you and I the freedom to be able to make the changes that we need to. Oftentimes when I pray with people that are are struggling with sin and need to repent of sin and make things right with God, I pray for them that the, the Holy Spirit would give them the courage that they need to make the changes that are necessary. The Holy Spirit can do that for you. I pray that the Holy Spirit would convict you of your sin. When, when my kids have been straying from their faith or struggling with sin, I've always prayed for them the exact same prayer. God, would you make them physically ill when they sin against you to the point that they vomit? I pray that for my kids. Why? Because I would rather them throw up than to have them throw their whole life away, for sure. But I want the Holy Spirit to convict of sin deeply because the Holy Spirit uh, helps us to be changed into the image of Christ because not only does the Holy Spirit convict of sin, the Holy Spirit gives us the power to change. Uh, Phenomenal book if you're a reader. uh, I highly recommend that you read this book about change and sanctification. Changed into his image by Jim Berg. Phenomenal book, game changer, like top five books I've ever read my entire life. That bi- that big of a deal. So if you want to grow in sanctification, Christ likeness, get that book, read it. There's even a workbook if you wanted to do that. Like it is just a total game changer of a book. But the idea is just very simple. Real lasting change takes place on the inside by the power of the Holy Spirit before it ever makes its way outside. So it's not a matter of, you know, getting a fresh haircut, getting new clothes, and using Christianese, and I'm like, God bless you, brother, God bless you, brother, God blessing for everybody all around, you know? Um, you know, and it's, it's funny, too, you, you see people when they're trying to fake it. It's like, yeah, my favorite passage of Scripture is 1 Corinthians colon uh, 13 colon uh, 12. You know, it's like, what? <laughs> 1 Corinthians, what is that? You know, oh, oh, you mean 1 Corinthians, got it. Yeah. You see people just trying too hard. That's not sanctification. Here's the other thing, too, that sanctification is not. We're going to get into this next week, but I just have to throw it out here. Sanctification is just not not doing bad things. You have unsaved people who don't drink alcohol, don't curse, and, and don't, you know, beat their wives, you know. That's not sanctification. It's not just staying away from big sin. It's, it's the act of changing me from the inside to be more like Jesus, It's not about just staying away from big sin or not doing bad stuff. That's not sanctification. Sanctification is being changed to be like Jesus Christ, and you cannot do that without the Holy Spirit of God. Finally, sanctification, we've already covered this, but I'll I'll mention it one last time. Sanctification uses the Word of God to change my heart. John chapter 17, verse number 16, they are not of the world, even as I'm not of the world. Sanctify them through truth. Thy Word is truth. 1 Peter 2, 2, as newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Just like you give a baby a bottle so that he'll grow, God's given you and I the word of God so that we'll grow. And if you neglect the word of God, you neglect growth as a Christian. I, I worry for Christians that the only time they hear the Bible in a given week is when they come to church. Hey, look, if you're f- supposed to be feasting on the word of God, you got a feast and famine thing going on where you're feasting on Sundays and you're starving yourself the rest of the week. I cannot be responsible for spoon-feeding you the Bible. I can do it for a minute if you're a baby in Christ. I want to do it for you if you're a baby in Christ. But there comes a point where you and I as Christians have to put on our big boy pants and our big girl pants and feed ourselves. 
and desire to feed ourselves. It's not just like, oh, great, I've got to eat. I've never in my entire life been like, oh, great, I've got to eat. It's always been like, yes, let's eat. We should have the same attitude towards the Word of God. Not like, great, I've got to read the Bible. It's just like, mmm, the Word of God. Man, I've been going through the book of Daniel lately in my personal worship time, and dude, it's just been knocking my socks off. It's so good, the book of Daniel. And I'm getting on Daniel because I just finished up the Minor Prophets. The Minor Prophets were so good. And I mean, like, in my time with God each day, like, I can't wait to get to the Word. Like, I, I think to myself, like, oh, I wish I had, like, another hour to just spend time with God and the Word. And you're like, that's totally foreign to me. Like, I read, like, the, the one verse at the top of the Bible app, and I'm like, I'm tired of it. I don't even finish the verse. Like, <laughs> you're not, you're not going to grow in your faith. You're just not. That's all. And here's the thing, Sometimes, some of you laugh because it's like, okay, I've been there before. Um, here's the thing, you're never going to grow in your faith if that's the case. And there's sometimes in the growth process where you just have to do what's right. I'm going to read God's Word because I know it's going to help me even though it doesn't feel like it, you know. Uh, for me, uh, sometimes I take spinach and I put it in the blender with my berries and stuff like that and I chug it as fast as I can because I hate it but I know it's good for me, okay. I know it's good for me, so I'm going to do what's right. God's word will never, ever do you harm. It will only do you good. And so I just want to encourage you, do what's right. Spend time in the word. And there, uh, again, for you, I hope that there's a time where your, your emotions catch up with what's right. But until they do, and even on the days that they don't, just do what's right. Simple as that. The word will help you grow. You can't get around that. Again, that's why the more that you hear Bible preaching, the more that you'll be helped. Again, if you're in church 52 weeks out of the year, uh, you hear preaching on Sunday morning and Sunday night, that's over 100 times that you'll hear the Bible preached each year. In 10 years, you will have heard over 1,000 messages from the Bible that will have had the opportunity to permeate and change your heart. Angela and I have been walking with Jesus for, for over two decades now. Uh, that means, I mean, this, for so long in our, our Christian life, Sunday morning, Sunday night, we would hear preaching on Wednesday night, two, three times a week, 150 years. We sat down, opened the Bible, and expected God to speak. Because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. You're hearing good Bible preaching. You should, you should grow. And so, again, I want to challenge you as you look towards sanctification and growth in your Christian process. Understand this, you haven't made it yet. Nobody has. I haven't made it yet. We will need to grow every single day until the day we get to see Christ face to face. So let's continue this process of growth together. Here's the beautiful part about the local church. All of it are, us are different phases of growth right now. I got saved when I was nine years old. It's uh, 36 years ago. Uh, last month, I put my faith and trust in Christ as a little boy. I'm in a different place in my sanctification than the gal that got saved this morning at the 8 o'clock service. And here's the awesome part. That's okay. She's not expected to be at my level. She's where she is, where God has her. And if she's walking with Jesus for the next three decades, by the grace of God, man, she'll be further along than I am right now. That's how this process works. And the Bible tells us that those of us that are, are more mature in our faith are to take the other people that are just coming along and raise them up and bring them along in the process. We don't look down at somebody like, oh my goodness, she's only been saved for like three months. What the world? No, praise God, she's been saved for three months. I remember it. I wish I'd had somebody like this in my life when I'd been saved for 90 days to come alongside me and pick me up. Man, I wish somebody had done that for me so we get to do this growth thing together. Sanctification is not a race because none of us are going to make it. The, the, the end goal is Christ-likeness. We're all together, life by ourselves. No, we've got people around us that God's placed in our lives to help us to grow and mature in our faith. We just have to make use of it. Most important thing in the world if you're here today uh, and you're not sure that you're saved, 
You need to put your faith and trust in Christ. You can't grow in Christ until you're first in Christ. Christ died. He paid the penalty for your sin on the cross. Everyone that comes to him and truly believes and puts their faith in Jesus can be saved, can be born again in, in a moment, and then you'll begin that process of sanctification. So if you're here tonight and you don't know for sure that you're saved, please don't leave without talking to me, knowing for sure that your sins are forgiven. For the rest of us, let's examine our lives this week and figure out how we can grow in the next seven days. Think about that. I'm going to leave you with this question. What's something that you could do in the next seven days to grow in your faith? Maybe it's spending more time in the Word. Maybe it's replacing the music that you listen to. Maybe it's repenting of sin. Maybe it's that habitual sin that you say is not really such a big deal, just giving that to the Lord too. Maybe it's Christian fellowship for you. Maybe you need to be part of a small group. Maybe you need to grab coffee with another Christian this week and just uh, talk shop and talk about your, your walk with God. What's something you can do in the next seven days to grow in your faith? I want to encourage you to do that this week. Thanks for joining us for the Hui Kala Baptist Church podcast. We'd love to have you as our guest this Sunday morning at 10 a.m. You'll find exciting classes for your keiki, a welcoming church family, and a message from the Bible that's sure to encourage your heart. Join us this Sunday. You belong here.